when you look at what we have and what's still coming for the believer, our cups run over. They overflow. We see the finish line ahead. Christ will take us there. Let's read of that finish line in Lord's Day 22 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 881. In the back of your songbooks, page 881, or 223 in the Book of Forms and Prayers. We need this hope so we know why we're doing what we're doing and where it's all going. I believe the, in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic or Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. How does the resurrection of the body comfort you? Not only will my soul be taken immediately after this life to Christ its head, but also my very flesh raised by the power of Christ will be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. How does the article concerning life everlasting comfort you? Even as I already now experience in my heart the beginning of eternal joy, so after this life, I will have perfect blessedness such as no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has ever imagined a blessedness in which to praise God eternally. Let's turn to God's word, page 1174. We've read a summary of its teaching. Now let's turn to the word itself, 1174, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18 the blessed hope of the believer. Page 1174. 2 Thessalonians, or 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, brothers, We don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. May God bless this word to our hearts and lives and empower us through them to encourage and comfort one another. Brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the summary of the Christian faith is given to us in the Apostles' Creed. It starts at God the Father and our creation. It ends at the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. It's a summary of faith that covers the whole Bible from creation, Genesis 1 verse 1, to the resurrection of the body and the new creation, Revelation 22 verse 20. It covers the whole scripture. And now, though we have started at the beginning, working through the articles that summarize the Christian faith, we now come to the end of all things, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. But don't forget the context. This too is the work of the Holy Spirit who applies the work of the Father and the Son in gathering together a holy, universal Catholic church bringing us together into the communion of saints, applying the forgiveness of sins. And one day, through the breath of Jesus' mouth, the Holy Spirit, our bodies will be raised up and will be brought into life everlasting. That too is the work of the Spirit. That's the hope of the Christian. We want to see that it's a hope we have already now. It's a hope now. It's a hope when we die. And it's a hope for resurrection when Jesus returns. It's a hope we have already now. The hope of the resurrection of the body and everlasting life. It's ours now to be held onto. Paul speaks about that in 1 Thessalonians 4 when he says to the Thessalonian church, I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, that some of you are Ignorant, uninformed about the full scope of this hope. And I don't want you to be uninformed because ignorance breeds myths and silly fantasies about the afterlife like your loved ones are looking down on you and smiling and we'll all become little angels with angel wings and all kinds of weird stuff. Because left to our own fantasies, We don't hold on to the truth of the hope. Our true hope gets mixed up with parables or with myths and fantasies and fairy tales. But it also robs us, these, this being uninformed and ignorant, of our eager anticipation and joyful expectation of what's coming for the believer what the future holds for us. So we don't want to be scared of the future. We don't want to be worried about the future, but in Christ, we have every reason to be eager for that future to come, but we got to know what it holds, at least as much as the Bible gives us. So negatively speaking, Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant about your hope. Positively, he says, I want you to have a good grasp on it. He says, I don't want you to, be, to grieve as others who have no hope. I want you to have hope, Christian hope, biblical hope. Now, why were the Thessalonians grieving in the wrong way when their loved ones died? 
What was their problem? Well, here's one of the problems they were facing. One of the things about which they were uninformed and needed to be instructed in their true hope. They believed that if you were still alive when Jesus returned, you got to spend eternity with him in your body. But sadly, if you died before he came, you'd still go to heaven, but you'd just spend eternity with him in your soul. And that was it for your body. They were ignorant about those who had fallen asleep. And he's not talking about those who go down for a nap. Those who lay down at night for their nighttime sleep. Falling asleep in the Bible for Christians means dying. It comes from the words Jesus spoke about Lazarus. He said to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to awaken him. And disciples answered, well, Lord, if he's asleep, let him get some rest and he'll recover. They don't get it at all. So Jesus tells them plainly he's dead. But for the Christian, death is falling asleep. Because Jesus one day is going to wake you up again. And it doesn't mean the soul falling asleep. That's the error some Christians teach. Soul sleep. And when you die, your soul kind of just becomes unconscious. And it's not really there in any living manner or conscious manner anymore the soul goes to sleep and one day Jesus will come back and wake up your soul no it refers to the body going to sleep when you see it there in the coffin the body of your believing loved one and then put in the ground that's falling asleep And one day Jesus will come and say, get up. Time to get up. And the power of his word will enter your body and raise you up. Wherever your dust is, whether in a grave or the bottom of the ocean because you fell overboard or wherever your dust is. The soul doesn't go to sleep when we die. Paul says for us as believers, when we're absent from the body, we're at home with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5. And in Philippians 1, my desire is to depart from the body and to be with Christ, he says, which is far better. Paul is saying here in this passage, I don't want you to be uninformed about your hope. Brothers and sisters, we have hope for the soul and for the body in Christ. If you are Christ's by faith, both your body and your soul are his. But since the Thessalonians thought just the soul is Jesus if you fall asleep before he comes back. 
and there's no hope for your body, they grieved in the wrong way like those who had no hope for the body. He says you're, you're grieving like the pagans do because you have only half the hope that you should be having. They were saying, it's not fair. My loved one has to spend eternity with Jesus with only a soul. Whereas the ones who are alive, they get to keep their eyes and their ears and their nose and their hands and their feet. Oh, I hope I don't die before he comes back. He says, you're just walking around with half your Christian hope. And so he teaches them the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter of the future for Christians. He says that at the beginning, verse 13. I don't want you to be uninformed. And then he says that at the end in verse 18. So encourage, comfort one another with these words. We have a hope. A wonderful, astounding, glorious hope in Christ. So much to live and die for. Yes, we don't even have to be afraid of death. Because there's hope for the body too. You're just falling asleep. In in Jesus' view, you're just falling asleep and I'm going to wake you up one day. Wow. When we're uninformed about this hope we have in Christ, then we live way below our proper hope and happiness level that we should have now. Live way below our proper hope and happiness level. And then we have way less comfort and encouragement to share with those who are grieving fellow believers when they grieve over the loss of a believing loved one. So we need to know this doctrine now, to have hope now, fullness of hope now, not half a hope. Fullness of hope now. Well, what is that hope? Secondly, it's a hope we have in death. Look at verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Wait. When Jesus returns on the day that God has appointed, who's coming with him? The souls of those who have fallen asleep already are coming with him. That means that now when they die, they're up there. They go to him, and they're up there with him. If they're going to come back with him, that's only because they went there to be with him when they died. When you repent of your sins, and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, and you live by faith in him, you may know for sure that when you fall asleep... And when your loved one who's a believer falls asleep, our souls go to be with Jesus now. And our souls are so connected, so tied to him, that when he returns, 
He's not going to leave us for a second. We're going to come back with him. Jesus has a very tight connection to believers here in this life, but also to our souls when we die. Our loved ones who lived and died in faith are with Jesus right now at the Father's right hand in the Father's house in heavenly glory and joy. And they're with him in blessed communion all the time. Deeply, tightly, wonderfully, blessedly connected to him. And it's such a blessed state that Paul says to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. And he says, you know, I could stay here living for your sake, but I could also depart and be with the Lord, which is better by far. Hebrews 12 says that when we gather for worship here on the Lord's day, We can't see them and they can't see us, but the souls of our departed loved ones are gathering with Jesus in heaven. They have a blessed communion there with him like we have with him here. We still are one body with them. It's amazing. That's what Hebrews 12 says. And in Hebrews or in Revelation 6 We read about the souls under the altar crying out, How long, O Lord? Well, that means they're certainly not asleep. We say, aren't they happy? They're blessedly happy. But they too. Saying, how long, Lord, till we get our bodies back? How long till you judge the living and the dead? How long till we get to go to the new creation with the whole church of God? They're eager. They have far better than we have. But they're eager for the best still to come. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 5 too. When we lose our earthly tent, we'll go to heaven and there we'll long for our heavenly tent to be given, a new body to be given to us. So while the body is sleeping in the ground, the soul is awake and happy in heaven with Jesus. As a holy part of a holy heavenly community, worshiping him and wondering, Jesus, when is the day when we get to have our bodies back? And so that's a real part of our Christian hope that we confess As we said in the catechism, not only will my soul be taken immediately after this life to Christ its head. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, when he repented and believed in Jesus, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that's why the false doctrine of purgatory is such a terrible lie. That the souls of believers, unless they're super saints... The souls of believers first have to endure hundreds or even thousands of years getting afflicted and purged in a fiery furnace, purgatory, place of purging. And only after they've suffered and been purified do they get to be transferred from purgatory to paradise. Nonsense. 
nonsense. And also all the nonsense that goes along with it. That do we offer prayers for the dead. And payments for the dead to try to get them out of purgatory sooner. No. Immediately. The very moment we die. As believers. The very moment your life leaves your body. You're instantly transferred. Carried to Christ. Your head to be with him. In heaven. Immediately. And here's a warning. If you die without faith, your soul will go immediately to Hades, a place of suffering and torments. And as Jesus said in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, there's no way for you to escape that and get to heaven. It's so important now to choose to belong to Christ by faith and to live and die united to him. Because when you're united to him, there's hope for your body, which goes in the grave when you die, when you die, and for your soul, which goes immediately to Christ. Do you believe? Have you called upon his name for salvation? As you asked him for forgiveness and a new life, then he's yours and you're his. Even when you die, you're still his. So comfort one another, brothers and sisters, with that truth. Your loved one is in heaven with Jesus who died as a believer. And we miss them terrible, terribly. And the pain can even be almost unbearable, but we know it's far better for them. And we wouldn't want them back here, but we do hope to be in heaven with Jesus alongside them one day. And so when you place your grief in this bed of hope, it becomes a new kind of grieving, a grieving in Christ. A grieving of confidence for the future. Well, thirdly, we have hope for now. As Christians, we have hope when we die that though our bodies fall asleep and go in the grave, our souls go immediately to be with Christ. And we have hope that one day there will be a resurrection for each one of our bodies where Jesus will come back and say, time to get up. Lazarus is dead, has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him, and he'll say that to each one of us. And that's really Paul's main point in 1 Thessalonians 4. Those who have fallen asleep before Christ comes back are at no disadvantage to those who are still alive when Christ back comes back. Because the believing dead will get their bodies back. New bodies. Created out of the dust of the old one. A heavenly body. So when Christ comes back, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And then look at verse 15. The major truth of this matter. 
For this we declare by a word from the Lord. This is not a private opinion, says Paul. This is not wishful thinking. The Lord Jesus has given this to us by divine revelation and inspiration. This we declare by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen. If you're still alive when Jesus comes back, you're not going to get in ahead of those who have fallen asleep. In fact, it's the other way around. Verse 16, it's the other way around. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. You know, if you're wondering that those who have died before Christ comes back are at some disadvantage compared to those who are alive, no. In fact, there's a slight advantage for those who have died already, have fallen asleep when Christ comes back. They're going to get their new bodies first. They're going to get their new bodies first. Because the first thing Christ is going to do when he returns is utter a cry of command and together with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, he's going to raise our bodies from the dust, wherever our dust has settled. And then he's going to breathe our proper souls back into our proper bodies so that nobody's saying, hey, you got my body. No, no, no. Everybody proper soul back in your proper body. 1 Corinthians 15. That which is sown is going to be raised imperishable. Wherever your dust went, that's the you that's going to get raised up. Oh, totally different kind of body, but still from that dust. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. I cannot imagine what that will be like. With what kind of body will they be raised, asked Paul in 1 Corinthians 15? Imperishable, incorruptible, strong. You'll never age. You'll never tire. You'll never get sick. You'll never die. Immortal. In that sense, it's even further ahead than where Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, because then they could still die. But then we'll be immortal. Death will be impossible. See how Jesus gets us to a better spot than we were even in the beginning. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. Okay, so that's the dead. The believing dead. What about those who are still alive when Jesus returns? Paul says, again in 1 Corinthians 15, and we, the living, will be changed. And that's what he says in verse 17. So verse 16, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then look at verse 17. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now if you want to look for a biblical doctrine or rapture, there it is right there. On the day Jesus returns, 
dead will be raised imperishable, and those who are alive will be transfigured. They'll be changed. They'll be given a new body. And they'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And on that day, all the saints in heaven and on earth will be one body with the Lord Jesus Christ. To meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. He'll bring us into the new creation on that day. Because it's not only the resurrection of the body that will happen on that day, but the entrance into that life everlasting. When Jesus comes back, heaven will come back with him. The new Jerusalem will come down with him, right? You know the story. And he'll come in blazing fire and cleanse this old world of all its corruptions, of all the ungodly, and of all the filth, and of all that's wrecked and decayed and twisted. And all of earth's creation's groaning. All of that will be taken care of. And he will make a new heavens, a renewed heavens and earth. And that's our everlasting resting place. Resurrection for the dead. Transfiguration or rapture for the living. Brought together. Moved into the new creation. That's what Paul says in Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we wait, eagerly wait from there, a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so we confess not only my soul, but also my very flesh, raised by the power of Christ, will be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. And so the whole triumphant church of God will be with the Lord forever, always. So as Christians, we're Jesus now. We're Jesus when we die. Even our bodies that go in the grave are his. They're asleep in him. And our souls are his in heaven. And then when he comes back, we'll still be his. He'll raise us. He'll change us. Reunite our body with our soul. And we'll be his forever in the new creation. That's the glory of life with Christ. And that forever of everlasting life. That blessedness in which to praise God forever. Is not bodies floating around. Or souls floating around on giant pillow clouds in the sky, nor bodies floating around on giant pillow clouds in the sky. It's heaven on earth. It's here. It's a new creation. It's the heavenly city coming down to live on the earth again as it was in the beginning when heaven and earth lived in sweet accord and got separated by sin. When Jesus comes back, they'll be reunited. After this life, I already begin this eternal life, the joy of eternal life here. But after this life, I'll have perfect blessedness such as no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has ever imagined a blessedness in which to praise God eternally.
And again, a warning, not just for your soul when you die, but if you don't trust in Jesus Christ, if you choose to stay in love with your sin and live for yourself and just fake your way and pretend, then when Jesus returns, he'll also raise the body of the wicked from the grave. But it'll be a body fit for torments, reunited with the soul from Hades and thrown into everlasting hell fire to suffer, indescribably suffer forever. And if your life is headed that way, Pray for God to stop that train and turn it around to change you, to save you from yourself and from the wrath of God to come. Instead, put you into Christ and give you that blessed hope of the indescribably great glory that's coming For every believer, already when we die, to be with Jesus, and then when he comes back, to be with him and all the saints in the new creation. Oh, what a future. We got to know this hope. And we got to hold on to this hope. Why? We need to know it in all our troubles and struggles. We need to know it when we serve Christ's kingdom. We need to know it so we know how to grieve in Christ. We need to know it so we can comfort those who are grieving. We need to know this hope. Take hold of your hope. Christ is that hope. Let's trust in him, our creator, redeemer, and transformer. And in him... Life is indescribably good. That begins here, continues when we die, and comes to full glory when Jesus comes back. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that in Christ you have raised us up to a glorious hope that revives us along the way as we serve you here in a world that's often difficult and harsh. But help us by faith to see this hope that is ours, that we might be strengthened and encouraged daily, but also be able to strengthen and encourage others, but also share the gospel with those who have no hope so that they might enter this hope through faith. Oh, we have such good news. You are that good news. We praise you. Amen.